The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. The Bible says there's a time to mourn, and uh, but we don't grieve hopelessly, we grieve hopefully. And when a loved one leaves us, we don't say goodbye, we say, I'll see you later. On this Memorial Day weekend, we're going to hear a hero's story of sacrifice. Plus, Greg Laurie will talk about honoring those who have given their lives for our freedom. Welcome to First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Six years ago, we told the story of the death of Christopher Horton, who was serving his country in Afghanistan. His young gold star widow, Jane, joined us at that time to tell Chris's story. Since then, Jane has moved to Washington, D.C. and continues to work tirelessly on behalf of military families who have lost loved ones. The work she's been doing has been remarkable. We are going to replay Jane's interview from 2015, telling the story of Chris's death in Afghanistan. And then, Pastor Greg Laurie will join us in the second half for the first of two interviews. First, his reflections on the importance of Memorial Day. And then next week, Greg Laurie will be back to talk about an entirely different story centered on his new biography of Billy Graham. But for now, we turn our attention to the story of Specialist Christopher Horton. Jane, first of all, as I did previously, my condolences to you. Your husband died in service to all of us, and we're so thankful for him and and all those who have fought uh, these wars on our behalf. Thank you very much, Blaine, and thank you for having me. Yeah, now let's talk about your life uh, before Chris's death. How long did you two know each other, and when were you married? We met, actually, in New York City working for the mayor, and we also went to the same college together. And we were friends for several years. We kind of kept up through politics, and we started talking during the 2008 presidential election. And um, I remember calling him and asking him who he thought would win the primary, Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama. And two months later, we were engaged. It was very fast, though. We definitely knew that um, that each other was the one. And so we had known each other a couple years before we got engaged, and then we got married a year later. Okay. Now, Chris served in the Oklahoma National Guard, correct? Yes. So was that a reality when you two met, or did that come later? It was definitely a reality when we started dating. He had joined the Oklahoma National Guard three months prior. And he was just the kind of guy that wanted to serve his country and do his duty to his nation. And he wanted to join to be an Army sniper. So I knew it was something that he wanted to do. I knew it came with the package of Chris, and I was very proud of him for wanting to serve. Hmm. So you didn't hold back at all? No. Yeah. So his specialty was as a sniper? Yep. Now, it was his first deployment, right, to Afghanistan? How long did he serve there? He was in Afghanistan for three months before he was killed. All right. And take me to that day when you got that terrible news. I was at home. It was September 9, 2011. And I had gone to school that morning, gone to college classes. And I went to Walmart to get some goods for his birthday package. His birthday was October 1st, and packages took a couple weeks to get there, so I wanted to get started on his package. And I had a military wife come over who knew how to make these little uh, cakes that you put in a jar, and they make it over to Afghanistan fresh. And she came over, and we were making the cakes, and I got a knock at the door. 
And I remember making a joke to her and saying how we military wives love knocks at the door. Mm. And I went and looked, and there were two uniformed officers there to tell me that Chris had been killed. Oh, boy. Unimaginable to most of us, Jane. And I I saw a comment you made recently that you're just now beginning to feel that maybe maybe life has something more for you. You, it's It's been a tough go. It's been very rough. I know, you know, I knew from the moment that Chris had been killed that God had a great plan for my life and that it wasn't about me anymore, that it was up to me to carry the torch that Chris left behind uh, to fight for this nation and to do everything I could for those that have given everything for me. The best of my life is yet to come instead of behind me, which is really kind of a painful thing to say and to realize, even though it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. How has the Lord met you during this time, Jane? It's been an interesting road, but I've never I've never really questioned God on it. You know, there's a lot of questions that I feel like we'll never get the answers till we get to heaven. And how could I be mad at a God that has taken Chris into his arms and taken him into heaven? Chris is the happiest that he's ever been. But I will tell you that God has um, really given me purpose and a platform throughout this all, and I've really held on to the promise that he's given me that God works everything out for the good for those who love him. I'm holding the bracelet that honors Chris and his memory, Christopher Horton. Uh, it says that he was killed in action, 9 September 2011 in Afghanistan. Uh, this bracelet has quite a story, doesn't it? Absolutely. There's been many uh, people that have worn it. I give it out to celebrities and politicians alike. And um, it's a military tradition that goes back to Vietnam. People used to wear them in honor of uh, missing in action, prisoners of war, and now killed in action. And when Chris died, I made a thousand of them, and I passed them out to people. And as I started getting more involved in politics and going to different events, I started to hand them to more influential people. Well, it's amazing uh, how God has raised you up to be really kind of a spokesperson for um, families who are going through this kind of experience. And how did those opportunities come about? Is, is this something you sought? It's not really something I thought. But as time went on, I really realized the platform that God has given me and the ability to make change and influence uh, even our nation's most influential decision makers. And about a year after Chris was killed, I really felt in my heart that I had to move to D.C. And I had interned for Senator Inhofe from Oklahoma the summer while Chris was deployed. But other than that, I didn't really have much of a connection to D.C. I didn't know that many people, but I knew that it was time for me to go there. And so I packed up my house. Uh, My house in Oklahoma hadn't sold. I didn't have a house in D.C. And I I bought a place in D.C. within a week and, and moved out there. And since I've moved out there, I've really just started going to different events, volunteering and getting involved in things, and um, also writing decision makers, meeting with them, and doors have begun to open, and God's provided incredible opportunities for me. Yeah, the senator has been of great uh, help to you, I understand, as well, as well as some of the military leaders, have they not? Absolutely. Senator Inhofe, I can't say enough good things about him. He gave Chris's eulogy. He called me several times, and his staff really took care of me during the whole uh, situation. And it was definitely God putting me in their office. I knew that um, that was definitely uh, no mistake at all. Hmm. Jane, why do you feel such a need to continue talking about this and to bring attention to this? Uh, I think I know what's behind this, but I want to hear you talk about it. 
There's several different reasons, but it was amazing to me the disconnect between civilians and the military in general, but let alone, you know, War Widow and the general public. And the disconnect is really great. And the reason why I wanted to start getting out there and give a voice to all of this is because, first of all, those that have given their lives for us don't have a voice unless we give them one. And so many Americans go about their day and live their lives as they should, but we're in America at peace and a military at war. People don't realize that we're still at war, that there's people fighting and dying for us. Even right now, there's people still in Afghanistan. And the whole message behind the whole thing that I do, really, is that America is the greatest nation in the world because men and women have been willing to fight and die for our freedom. And Americans tend to believe that freedom is free, and they tend to live as such, when in reality, so many people, so many people have fought, bled, and died for us and given up their whole lives and their families just so that we can have freedom. Hmm. Do you find that people are in any way uncomfortable or reticent to talk about what you want to talk about? Absolutely. A lot of people are uncomfortable with it because they're not faced with the realities of war. It was probably even the day of Christopher's funeral at Arlington that photos were posted online. And my wife and I were on a car trip. We were driving, and I remember very clearly pulling into a rest stop so I could pull out my iPad and look at those photos, and we wept together as we saw those photos. Take me back to that experience at Arlington. Arlington was definitely surreal, but it was about a little over a month and a few days after Chris was killed. And my family and I and Chris's family had been through dignified transfer after dignified transfer. We had been through the funeral. We had been through Westboro protesting the funeral. And we had been through a commercial flight flying Chris's body to Arlington, and it was finally the day when Chris was laid to rest, and it was a very moving day. It was very honorable. There was no better place for Chris to be than Arlington, but one of the most incredible things about that day is I did have a little over a month to plan it, and I had reached out to several military leaders and Senator Inhofe and asked them all to be there. I had asked Admiral Mullen, who was the joint who was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff when Chris was killed. But then it switched over in between his death and the, the burial to General Dempsey. And I asked General Odierno, who's the chief of the Army, um, to be there. And I had hoped that one of them would be there to honor him, and all three of them ended up coming, which was pretty incredible. And Senator Inhofe gave his eulogy. And uh, the, the burial was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, and I will tell you, after that day, it felt, it was a tough day. It was a day when I really felt like it was time for me to get up on my feet, and I had to go back home and live life and find my new normal. It was the day when Chris finally stopped moving, and we finally put him to rest. So it was quite an emotional day for everyone. Our thanks to Jane Horton. Coming up, we'll talk with Greg Laurie about Memorial Day. Hi, I'm Ed Cannon, the president of the Far East Broadcasting Company, and I'd like to invite you to join us on our podcast, Until All Have Heard, where Wayne Shepherd and I will take you on a virtual tour around Christian ministry in the most unreached places in the world to see what God is doing through the ministry of the Far East Broadcasting Company. So listen to the new weekly podcast, Until All Have Heard, from FEBC. 
Listen at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. Or go to febc.org. Joining me now is Greg Laurie, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. And Greg, we've just heard a powerful story of a hero, a sniper killed in Afghanistan a number of years ago, Chris Horton. And these people are heroes to us, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. I mean, I think we've lost the meaning of the word hero. Uh, because we'll say, oh, he's a guitar hero or uh, he's a sports hero. You know, I don't know that there's anything heroic about putting a ball in a basket or mm-hmm. playing chords in a guitar. But to me, heroism is someone who makes a sacrifice, uh, like the story we just heard. You know, Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, than he laid on his life for his friends. And we think right. of those that serve us in the military of those that serve us in law enforcement, that really every day their life is potentially at risk. And so when everyone's running from the danger, these people are running toward the danger. And these are true heroes that that should be celebrated. Yeah. I know that you resonate with this message because I've seen some of the things you've written through the years about this and, and spoken about for Memorial Day. But this is a day not to be forgotten. We have to remember those who've paid that sacrifice. I think that's very true. And it's something that I don't think they deserve the credit. Uh, they uh, they don't get enough credit. They deserve more mm-hmm. credit. That's what I meant to say. I was in an airport and I always see guys in, mil- in uniform there. And, and, you know, you'll say thank you for your service. And I actually asked... Uh, a couple military friends, is it a bad thing to say thank you for your service? Is that almost like cliche? He said, nope, we Uh appreciate it. I said, okay, and I'm going to say it. And so, you know, you see the person in uniform traveling, and I'll just say, hello, how are you? Thank you for your service, because I really am thankful for their service. You think about when our country is in conflict, we need these folks to to defend our liberties and to stand up for us. And they're, you know, they're not making a lot of money doing this. This is a, a calling. It's an interesting thing. When someone serves us in uniform, be it in the military and law enforcement, uh, this is a calling from God. You know, the word that is used in scripture to describe the person who carries the sword is the same word used to describe a minister. So you think, oh, well, I, I, I teach the Bible. So I'm a minister. Yeah, I am a minister. But if someone's, uh, you know, attacking your country, you don't need a sermon. You need a soldier, right? Yeah, right. And if someone's breaking into your home, you don't need a preacher as much as you need a police officer. So we all have our calling and we all have our place. And, and, and I believe this can be a real calling of God to serve in this way. And these folks should be celebrated. You know, it's interesting in the Bible, centurions are always presented in a positive light. Now, of course, they played a role mm-hmm. in the crucifixion of Jesus. Yeah they, were, but, yeah, they were Romans, sure. Yeah, but you read about the, the you know, the good centurion, the, cin, the centurion that came to Jesus. And, and Jesus never denigrated or criticized people in the military. Some do that today, but that's not what Jesus did, and that's not what the Bible does. It's interesting you should mention uh, the sword because the very fact that we have uh, the platform to proclaim the gospel in this world is because of people like those who have paid this sacrifice. So we have that freedom that we we can't ignore that. No, I mean, we had something called the Revolutionary War and America was born. And so we took up arms and and we wanted, you know, to have our own representation, not be ruled by some distant king randomly telling us what to do. And some politicians think they're kings and they think they can just dictate what everyone should do. And that's not the way our government works. And uh, so, or at least not the way it should work. Sometimes it Mm -hmm. is the way it works, unfortunately. 
But I think that uh, this is something that it's the roots of our country. And I believe God established this nation. I, I just finished a biography on George Washington. And there's no question that he was chosen by God. Uh, to fulfill the role he did first as General Washington and later as President Washington. There's no one who could have united the differing tribes like Washington did. You know, a political division is not new to our time. Of course, it was happening back in Washington's time. And But he was used by God to help forge this nation. And I, I just read another biography. I like to read biographies, especially <laughs> of presidents. I read one on Abraham Lincoln. It was called Old Abe. A really an excellent biography, sort of dramatized, took a few liberties in telling the story, but the facts were all there. And, and how Lincoln and Washington both leaned on God, especially Lincoln, uh, in prayer and, and looking to the Lord to bring a resolution to the civil war that divided our nation. And certainly Washington, who would stand on the battlefield with bullets whizzing by and, uh, and never was harmed in the battlefield. In fact, the way he died, was kind of sad. He went out for a ride after he was retired and, and mm-hmm. got it, you know, got wet in the rain and didn't change his clothes and caught a chill and ultimately died of, of that uh, related to that. But, you know, God raises these people up in all areas of life, not, not just preachers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't get me started on Washington because uh, we could talk for a few hours about Washington and Lincoln. I'm sure Lincoln you know a lot more about them these, than no, I do. No, no, I don't. But I, I tell you, they are heroes to me as well. Yeah. So, you know, a few minutes ago, we heard Jane talk about Chris's death and being buried at Arlington and the the assurance that she has that Chris right now is in heaven. Yes. I mean, what, what better assurance can there be than that to know that her husband, who sacrificed his life for this country, is now with the Lord? Yeah, there, there, well, there is no greater hope, you know. And I think as you get older, you appreciate the eternal life part even more. You know, when I first came to Christ at the age of 17, a long time ago, you know, I was more interested in what, what will, how my, how can my life be better now? You know, how can I have a more meaningful life, a more fulfilled life? And that's good. You know, we should all seek that and God offers it to us. But as I'm getting older, now that eternal part is kicking in. The Bible calls the gift of eternal life an unspeakable gift or literally an indescribable gift that becomes more precious with time. It's sort of like, um, you know, when you're younger, maybe a certain object is meaningful to you, but as you get older, you value other things. Things that you may have taken for granted become more valuable to you. They were always valuable. You're just appreciating their value. And eternal life is number one on the list because the Christian has the hope that when we die, we will go to heaven. Right. And when we lose a loved one uh, who's died in faith, we have the hope that we will see them again. So Christians grieve and Christians mourn when we lose loved ones. But the depth of our sorrow is an indication of the depth of our love. And we should grieve and we should mourn. You know, sometimes people will say to a Christian mourning the death of a loved one, well, don't cry, they're in heaven. That's ridiculous. The Bible says there's a time to mourn, but we don't grieve hopelessly, we grieve hopefully. And when a loved one leaves us, we don't say goodbye, we say, I'll see you later. Mm-hmm. Here we are, Memorial Day weekend, and for many people, this is just an excuse just to have a couple of days off and have some fun together. But I really want our listeners to understand this is a time for reflection. This is a time to spend at least a little bit of time this weekend thinking about those who have paid this sacrifice for our country 
in uh, wars past and wars that are being fought even today. What what are some of the things that you would recommend that people do here Memorial Day weekend? Well, I would say start with something as simple as put an American flag out in front of your house. Uh, and, and, you know, I know that some people are reluctant to do that, but I say put, put that flag out there. These uh, men and women that serve us in uniform, they fight, and that flag is meaningful to them, and it should be meaningful to us. I think if you know someone who has served in the military, uh, especially if you know a family that's lost someone that has served uh, our country, uh, you just let them know you care, thankful to them. I acknowledge their sacrifice. Finally, like you said, and I agree with it, is reflect on these sacrifices that were made. And, and thank God that we have people that are willing to serve us in this way. You know, we have a voluntary military right now. Of course, when I was a kid, there was a draft going on. It was the Vietnam yeah, War. I was watching those numbers carefully. Yes, and <laughs> yeah. I, was on the, I determined that if I was called, I was going to go and, and, and serve my country. Uh, mm-hmm. But I came out very high in the lottery number. And I have to yep, admit, me I, was, too. I was thankful for that. But, but there were others that did go and serve uh, overseas. And I think that, you know, we need to be thankful for these people and not take for granted what they do for us each and every day. Well, Greg, thank you for these thoughts about this very important time in American life, Memorial Day weekend. I sure appreciate your time. Now, I also appreciate the fact that you've agreed to join us next week on First Person to talk about your latest work. Uh, You've become quite the biographer these last few years. It started with an autobiography, didn't it? Yeah, I wrote an autobiography called uh, The Making of an Idiot. No, that's not what I called it. I should have (laughs) called it that. It it was called Lost Boy. But... uh, then fast forward many years, and, and I wrote a biography on actor Steve McQueen mm-hmm. uh, because I became fascinated with the story because I'd heard he'd become a Christian, and I wondered, is that is that true? I chased the story down, and as it turns out, McQueen did, did become a strong Christian uh, toward the end of his life, and then that was followed up by a, a biography on Johnny Cash, who I've always had a great appreciation for. Yeah. And then I've just completed a biography now on Billy Graham. So I, I turned out to be a biographer. It wasn't something I planned <laughs> on doing, but I've written three biographies now. All right. More about Billy Graham in a moment. But the book on Johnny Cash, they're all good. I tell you, though, the book on Johnny Cash is my favorite the biography I've read in the last several years. It's a wonderful book. I highly recommend it to our listeners uh, from Greg Laurie. But, Greg, next week you'll be back and we'll talk about this new book about Billy Graham. What's left to say about Billy Graham after all these years? Uh, there's a lot to say because a lot of people didn't know the private Billy, and I did. Uh, uh, I, I knew him for some 30 years. So I've seen Billy in every kind of setting imaginable, public, private. So I wanted to do a fresh take on the life of Billy Graham for a younger generation that don't know anything about him and say, this is an example that we can follow of a man who started and finished his race as a follower of Jesus Christ very well. Well, Greg Laurie will be back next week with more on the life of Dr. Billy Graham. And I invite you to join us for that conversation. But for now, I'd like to thank Jane Horton, a gold star widow, even as we honor the memory of her husband, Chris. He's one of many who's given his life in defense of this country on foreign soil. And we pray for Jane and so many others like her who have lost loved ones. There's more information at firstpersoninterview.com. Also, a word of thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company for making these programs possible. FEBC is committed to reaching the world for Christ with radio and internet programs that proclaim the gospel message. Follow FEBC online at febc.org and learn more. febc.org. 
Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to First Person.